Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 34. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad you found this podcast. Maybe you found it on a podcast platform. Maybe you found it on YouTube, because obviously there's a video, and if there's a video, that means there's an interview, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, but would love if you subscribe to the show. You can always reach out to me on all of the socials at flores.run. Uh, this week, we have a, a special guest. Um, it's going to be one of those, those episodes that's not about running, but it's about running. Would you say that's right, Jason? Oh, I already muted you. Nope, now we're unmuted again. I already failed. Hey, I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, I met uh, Jason on the uh, Slapcast, the other podcast that I produce, um, as, as I've spoken before and Shannon's been on the show as well, but he was a super cool dude with lots of like great words of wisdom, um, just about coaching and leadership and just like everything that, that embodies that. So thank you so much, Jason, for, for joining me on the show this week. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Looking forward to it. I mean, the weather's actually decent outside now, so it's like, it's okay to, it's like, it's like, well, I don't want to be inside. I want to be outside, but social distance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amen. (laughs) So, uh, Jason, just tell the, tell the listeners just maybe a little bit about yourself before we, uh, we hop into our talk today. Well, the first thing I'd say is that I'm a storyteller, so I'm going to I'm going to let her rip a little bit today, but I'm also going to work to uh, mine that so we get what you need and what your listeners will benefit from. So I'm a I'm a I'm an executive coach. I'm a uh, a leadership development guy. There's a lot that I could say about that, but here's what I would sum it up by saying is that I help leaders, actually humans, learn how to communicate with impact. I help leaders learn how to bring compassion, self-awareness, and uh, accountability to the way that they lead themselves and lead their teams. Nice. I mean, that's, that's well said. It's like you've said that once or twice before. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've practiced that a little bit because nobody really cares about what, you know, uh, what the history of my company is or back in 2002, when I had this moment, nobody cares about that when you're actually trying to convince them that it's worth investing in. Uh, their own development and personal growth. Right. It's one of those where, especially he said, your, your story in the background is like, I don't care what you went through, but can you help me? That's right. That's That's right. Let me, you know, let me be the hero of my own story and you could be the very capable guide. And that's a framework that I'm a fan of uh, put on by a a guy named Donald Miller and a, a company named story brand, big fan of them. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm looking through the notes here and I don't know if I'm skipping too far ahead, even though it's not too far ahead, but you, you wrote this crowning moment that you had as, as far as running is concerned. And now I need to hear the story. Yeah. And I intentionally withheld it from you because I wanted this to be the first time you got to hear this. So Jonathan knows this because he's met me. Uh, um, I'm about six foot two forty five. Okay. So for those of you who are runners, you're like, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but many of you just were like, uh, that dude's not a runner. And you're right. I'm not. Uh, but I like to run. I'm just, unfortunately, I'm not able to right now because of a knee injury. And maybe that'll come up in some of the, the wisdom that I try to, uh, impart upon people during the, the, the episode. So here's my story. You know, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, well, what are some stories that I have around running and in, in my identity as a runner? Um, so this one actually isn't my crowning achievement when you think about progress and running, but it is one I'm very proud of. So, uh, in graduate school, I was confined to, I trained as a speech language pathologist. That's my graduate degree. And I was a clinician for about eight years before moving into coaching in the midst of grad school in order to really ward off the demons of, uh, and I'm serious when I say this, I'm not making light, but depression and stress and burnout, Um, I ran, I just, I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran. And I was probably in the best cardiovascular shape of my life. Not the lightest I've ever been. You know, I'm a former football player, not a cross country dude. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, so here's my crowning achievement. I ran probably about a seven and a half minute mile for about three and a half miles. But here's the story behind it. It was a Friday or Saturday night. It was summertime and we were back in my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio. And my buddies and I were hanging out and one of them looked over and they're like, "Daily, I just, you know, I know you've been running a lot. It's like, what's the fastest mile you've ever ran? And I was like, I have no clue. Like I've never tied myself. Um, And they're like, well, do you think that you could run back to your parents' house 
um, in a certain amount of time. And I'm like, well, why don't we lay some money on it? Now, mind you, <laughs> we, we were about uh, three to five beers deep. I, I was going to say, that's exactly guessed. how that discussion, like there's no doubt in my yeah. mind. I was like, oh, I've already painted the picture. Yeah, that's right. So, so like, here we are, like I got like three to five beers in me. I don't know what the exact number is. And I'm like, let's lay some money down on it. And I honestly don't remember the amount of money we laid down. It was not much. Um, so <laughs> I borrowed a pair of shoes. I changed them into some running clothes and at like 10 o'clock at night, I was running on like, not like a major road, not a highway, but I'm talking like 45 mile an hour roads running on the shoulder of the road. Um, no lights. It was just stupid. Right. I get it. It was dumb. Uh, my buddies followed me and they, cause they wanted to make sure I wasn't going to cheat because I also knew all the shortcuts, <laughs> but legitimately I ran those three and a half miles at about a seven and a half minute pace, three to five beers deep, probably mostly on adrenaline and whatever the <laughs> amount of money was, I want it. But I love looking at them when they pulled up beside me and I was like, that's right, baby. Yeah. Don't ever vote. Don't ever, ever, ever go against me because I will prove you wrong every yeah. time. I will find a way to make sure I get you wrong on that one. That's great. Yeah. And I was probably sore for the next seven days. Well, I, yeah. I mean, that that's usually because it's weird how alcohol dehydrates you and is exactly <laughs> what you don't need your muscles to have strange how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. There was no, there was no gallon challenge of water prior to that run <laughs> or afterward for that right. matter. Yeah. You're just like, ah, more beers. Cause we, we succeeded and now time to yeah. drink more beers. We That's had, right. I don't know if I, I told you about this, my, um, every year for my birthday, we, we run my age, which, you know, is a super smart idea. And, uh, the first year we did it, we stopped at eight breweries. We did 30, was it 30? It was my 30th birthday, 30 miles from Dublin to Delaware. And, uh, and yeah, and we stopped at eight breweries along the way and we were just like, yeah, this is fun. And then every year we've done it since. And then last year Hold on, I lost you. Oh, can you hear me? Hold on. Sit tight. I'm coming back. Sorry, gang. All right. Try me now. You got me. No, not yet. Oh, oh, there we go. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, gang. Okay. Keep going. Keep no, it's, going for it. I'm, I'm here. Was it, was it the video also cut out? I wonder if it's my it was, camera. No, it did not. It was my AirPods. Totally uh, my AirPods. Oh, okay. 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 Um, so yeah. So, run, so you run your age. I knew you were going. There. Yeah. So run my age every year. And on my 30th birthday, we did uh, a run from Dublin to Delaware. It's about 30 miles or thir- a little over 30 miles. And we stopped at eight breweries along the way. It was like a fun little, a fun little trip. And every year we've done it since. And so last year would have been the third year when I turned 32. And I actually did only at one guy joined me last year because everyone else is smart. My birthday's in July. Let's also make oh, it, make it like, it's just like, this is dumb. Why would you ever do this in July? But I ran from, uh, we ran from Scioto Downs to Delaware up 23. So I did 32 miles on 23, which oh. I mean, you can imagine doing 23 up near Lewis center and all of that, where you're just yeah. like, you're like, no, it's 55 mile an hour country or county road. Like this is a county yeah. highway. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to run on the side of it. I'm thinking of like, even just how you have to dodge the crosswalks, you know, coming all the way up high street through, I mean, how well, many people did you have to dodge? Well, right? fun thing is because the way 23 works, 23 isn't high street. When you get to just south of 70, uh, you turn on what long or whatever. And then it's, um, fourth, some fourth, fourth or summit, yeah, okay. depending on which right. way you want to go. So yeah, That's I got right. to dodge all of that campus nonsense, uh, which made things a lot easier, but yeah, but it was also just like the weirdest thing where you're just like, well, I'm going to keep on going. And then I got to, <laughs> And then there, we basically stopped at a bunch of random places. We went to Buckeye Donuts. We went to, um, we stopped at the Ruckmore, uh, which, you know, is always, uh, a, always a great stop. Um, not far from my house. It isn't? We'll have to talk yeah, about that uh, after. I'm, I live, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it afterwards. We're not going to give Bookmark. people, we're not going to give people's addresses and stuff like that. All right. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's a great, yeah. Running stories and drinking are kind of the best thing. Ever, I think. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, we were kind of going back and forth on what we wanted to discuss. And I kept having this idea of like growth or encouragement or influence or stuff like that. And you had a couple, couple great ideas, I think that we wanted to, to kind of roll with. Um, I saw this like first comment you put there. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, remind me which one that was. Yeah. Uh, so I help I'm others run. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, look, the, the tilt and the lens through which I approach a, a lot of my life, a lot of the talks that I give to corporations or groups, or just even when I bring the coaching is, you know, a lot of people want to know like what coaching is. And there's a lot of different ways to define it. And I think about it as helping, you know, in running terms, I help people run a better race. And there are a couple words in there that are, are key to define for each person is what, what does uh, better mean? And what does race mean? Yeah. So it's like, what are the parameters that someone would consider as their race? And uh, largely the def- the definition of what a better race is, is all up to them, you know, it's depending on their goals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another traditional way that I speak about it, if someone's like, so tell me what executive coaching is. I, I tell people, it's this premise that you're not broken in need of being fixed, but instead you are a whole person capable of solving your own problems. I may just help you accelerate your performance, or I may help you accelerate toward the goal that you're going toward. Um, think of it as helping someone go from a seven or an eight to a nine or a 10. Mm-hmm. Now there's coaching people who are having performance issues, but that's not, that's not what I see my work as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are two different kinds of things, but I like the way you put that is the, your goals, aspirations, wherever you want to do, however you're, um, defining better or a successful for that matter, you have to, as the individual, and you as the individual have to, to define that, uh, you know, a coach can't necessarily define that for you it can help maybe enlighten you about maybe some things that, Hey, you're doing these things. Maybe this is actually your end goal. Um, but yeah, I think that's great to be able to have people have the experience they want by maybe opening their eyes to some things that, that could be blinders or something like that. Yeah, totally. You know, and uh, <laughs> so here's a story. Uh, my wife and I moved back. So I'm from Ohio and my wife's from new England and we moved to Columbus in 2017. I'd been gone for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years, lived in a lot of different States. And, um, we decided to run the, um, uh, capital city half marathon, except we ran the 5k. And so, (laughs) which I was very proud of. And and I did, I trained a little bit for it, but you know, come on, it's a 5k. Like I, I could suck it through it and be fine. Um, and that's exactly what happened, mind you. Uh, my wife is a former college athlete. She <laughs> was a sprinter, not a long distance runner. Mm-hmm. So imagine that conversation around, okay, we're going to stick together, right? We're going to run this together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, like, I don't know. We hit the first turn and I'm like, just go ahead, honey. Like, see ya. Right. You already want to go. So just go. Yeah. Like, bye. See ya. And by the way, so, so the reason I brought this story up, like running your own race, that's another idea behind this is, is like, we can all fall into this comparison trap. So I was fine with being in the last corral. Uh, what street, what street does that line up on? Is that, is that high street where that starts? Um, Cap city. No, I don't, off, I don't even know. Off, what. Maybe off broad. Is that, is, okay. does it still start over yeah. there? I think it starts off broad. I think it might be broad. So here we are, right? Like we're in the last corral. And by the way, like passing everybody in each of their corrals on the way to the back. Right. And the whole time I'm like, man, this is like good. Like I'm excited. Like we got time before we start. My wife was like, next year, I am not running the 5K. I will not be in the last corral. <laughs> I was like, well, have fun training for it because I'm good doing the 5K. Right. You're like 5K, check. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, we're all on different, we're all at different starting places where we all have different finish lines. We all have different aspirations. And, and that's what I see. in a lot of leaders that I coach, everybody's got their own unique challenges. Although there are some pretty common themes that emerge when, when, um, when I'm coaching somebody. Mm -hmm. So kind of on that comparison thought, how do you, you know, we see it all the time with runners and that sort of thing of people comparing of I'm not as fast as, and you know, I'm not as good as, or I don't have the physique of a runner. I remember when I started getting into trail running, um, Kayla, my wife was, was kind of giving these things of like, wait a second, that, that person is also going to be running 50 miles. I'm like, yes, honey, that, that person that normal, like we would call overweight or just not the runner's body kind of style. You're like, yeah, but 
also honey, they also did a hundred miler two weeks ago. Like the, these people are stronger yeah. runners than I am and that I might ever be. But we have this idea of, of certain images and that sort of thing where we, we focus that comparison on how, how can we help people help themselves and almost getting over that comparison game and understanding that I don't need to compare myself to someone else's. This is my goal and this is my journey. They're on their journey and it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, there's a, a, a definitely, there's a ton of truth to that. And I can validate that just from a, a, a leadership development perspective too. So, you know, I'll coach, I'll coach people who are leaders of people. So people leaders, so managers and above. And I just think of it this way that however you slice it, if you look around it, it's not hard to find somebody who might be quote unquote farther ahead than you. So I always think about it in terms of, which by the way, as I say, anything that I say today, I want you to know, I want everybody to know that I'm not at the peak of self-actualization, having accomplished these things. I feel like I'm a student of these concepts, which is why they came up for me mm-hmm. today. Um, the comparison trap can be really deadly. It can be really dangerous. It can be really paralyzing. So I think you have to know a couple things. What are you running toward? You know, what are you trying or hoping to accomplish? Um, and the fuzzier that is, uh, then good luck. You know, you're just going to flounder. You won't even know how to pace yourself. And I'm really not trying to be punny here, right? but, <laughs> but it's true, <laughs> but I hear it. I hear it coming out, you know? So, so like, uh, as a communication coach, so, so, you know, my forte is in communication, presentation skills, public speaking, message planning, whatever. And, uh, I just helped a, a, I want to be careful about protecting my client identities. I just helped a local organization accomplish uh, basically an approval. That's how I'll say it. So they, they contracted with me to um, uh, do a, do a gig where I was helping them craft some messaging. And, you know, when I went in there and I said, so what do you want to accomplish? They're like, we want to get the deal approved. Like, okay, got that. Uh, within what time frame? And, who are you really speaking to you when you want to get the deal approved? Well, we're talking to all these people. It's like, okay, if you're talking to all those people, who are the real decision makers? Right. So what I, what I always tell people is you have to be really clear on what you want to run toward, what you want to accomplish. Um, and so it requires a couple things. One is to know the distance between where you are and where you want to be. And that t- like, if that's the work somebody does, that might be the coaching engagement. Um, but then you also have to know how to, not how to get there as much as how you must experiment in order to try to find the best way to get there. Yeah. Which isn't always the quickest as we all know. Right. Right. Exactly. I think we can go into that all the time. Like you said, of trying to, we're running someone else's race and, and if, and we can't run their pace. I would love to be able to run a 201 marathon, but I don't think I could run a 450 single mile, much less 26 miles out of the way. So if like, if that's my unattainable, unrealistic goal, or I'm not even sure it's like, I want to run a race. Like, okay, is that just your goal? Do you just want to run it? Well, I also want to do good. Well, what's good. And then you start kind of unpacking that. So I can see where coaching can help kind of unpack those thoughts where you're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. I guess that is good. Maybe I should define that. Cause if I can't define my end, then I don't know. We did an episode on goals a while back and the whole idea was goals need to be specific to you. They need Mm -hmm. to be attainable as well, but they need to mean something to you. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Cause if you don't know the why I would say, what the hell's the point of doing it? Like there's no point in doing it if you don't know why you're doing it. That's right. That's right. You know, that can sound, I get it. The why stuff can sound so cheesy. Simon Sinek, you know, there's a great Ted talk and know your why, but, but I'm telling you, I mean, it really is. It's, it's intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. It's the reason why humans, why we as humans behave the way we do, because there's a reward to accomplish or to receive, or there's a punishment to avoid. Mm-hmm. And gosh, that's, I'm telling you, that's priceless when it comes to helping leaders and teams come up with messaging that's meant to move people toward an end goal Mm -hmm. to a greater end. Yeah. um, And so the comparison trap can be really deadly. 
because look, I mean, look around, you know, it's like you could, (laughs) I lived in Atlanta for three and a half years and my daily commute was six miles and 45 minutes. Talk about a comparison trap. It's like the, now this is my story. It's like the farther away you live from my office, which was in Buckhead, uh, the less off, well off you were. Now I'm, I'm saying this tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, yeah. But what a stark reminder of for, for people who felt like having a $6 million mansion means that you've made it. What a stark reminder of every time you got closer to where everybody worked and where everybody wanted to commute from. What a stark reminder of like, geez, guess I'm way behind in the race. So the temptation is like to just give up and not run the race period versus like, you know what? I'm okay. Like I'm satisfied. Like we've got everything we need. We've got the four walls. We've got food. We have transportation and that's it. You can look around anywhere in any respect to anything. And there's always someone bigger, faster, stronger, richer, more beautiful, uh, seemingly by the way, right. Uh, than, than what we'd ever imagine. And I think that's the last point I make about it is, is that, uh, look, you just don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Some people are really good at, a, at putting on and crafting their mask. <laughs> no pun intended with COVID seriously. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. You know, I love um, it. Love it. But it's true. It's like, it's like what, a, it's almost like uh, in time they may be revealed or they may not be, but it's like, you just don't know what is behind a facade somebody might be putting up. So it's like run your own dang race. Right. Exactly. It's uh, it's funny you say that we, you, the comparison game or the keeping up with the Joneses, or you're always having to feel like you have to do something to, to be on that level. I mean, my wife and I had a four bedroom house in the burbs in Delaware and then <clears throat> decided that that wasn't what we wanted. And we uh, sold a bunch of stuff, moved to a two bedroom apartment and people are like, but, but why are you doing that? is everything okay? Or is everything, is everything okay yeah. at home? Is the marriage okay? Is everything fine? We're like, everything is fine. Just cause what we want to do isn't what you expected us to do. That doesn't yeah. make it wrong at all. That's a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, you have that idea where people start doing something. You're like, no, what, this is kind of what I want to do. And then once we feel that pushback from our peers or people that we, we hold esteemed value, all of a sudden we're like, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that wasn't yeah. the, the right idea. And it kind of goes into your, yeah. your our, the next point we have, you're talking about like a control and an influence of like what we can control compared to the things that are being influenced upon us. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, just to link these two thoughts together. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's like run your own race. My, my best friend, he, he lives in, in uh, tri-state area in New York. Um, and we lived in New York for a spell when we were first married. It just wasn't for us. And we knew that. Um, but it was a season, it was a chapter and there were things we enjoyed, but we just, we knew we weren't going to be Manhattanites. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, my, and my, one of my best friends, he, he's worked in finance his entire career and he's got a race he's running, which I don't know, ends before 50 years old when it comes to retirement. I think, uh, me, that's not the race I want to run. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't desire to work the 16 to 18 hour days for a condensed period of time. I, I'm going to take longer to you know, run whatever race I'm running. Yeah. So that comes back to this second point, which is to control what you can control, know what you can control and know what you can influence and know what's beyond your control. This really brings up this idea around being present to what is available in our lives. And, um, like right now, how much control does anybody have over, um, I mean, seriously, like over, over whether you get sick or not with the coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. We can certainly all take measures and I'm not here to open up a political discussion about this, but but sometimes not, not to interrupt, but sometimes you have that, that thing where people think of, the, the measures are then our control of the aspect. And it's like, no, 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 you can take measures to help prevent or, or maybe reduce influencing, but in addition, yeah. we can't control it. That's right. That's right. It's absolutely right. Um, I can't control if I go to the grocery store and I'm whatever, wearing a mask and, uh, I'm social distancing or trying to, I can't control if someone walks up and reaches over top of me to grab whatever it is off the shelf. I can't control that. The only thing I can control in that moment 
that I know of is how I respond to that, what I think about that and how I manage any emotions that might come up as a result of that. And so that's where, uh, as a coach, uh, I, I, the term is called immediacy. Um, if I hear a client who's talking a lot about them or they or the company or the politicians or whatever, um, it's important for me to help them shift their lens or shift what they're actually looking at by usually asking them the question around, so what role are you playing in that? And sometimes that's like the punch right between the yeah. eyes where it's like, what? Like, well, I don't have any control over it. It's like, yeah, you absolutely do. But why don't, maybe you don't know what you do and don't have control over it. So why don't we talk about that? You know, um, there was a thought that I had about that. Oh man. But, but it's just like this idea of, um, uh, manage, like manage what you can manage. That's it. And, um, and, and take ownership over that, but take a hundred percent ownership over that for sure. Uh, another concept related to that is, is, is what I say, getting on the court or getting on the course, don't be a spectator. And I just, I think most of my clients I'm coaching them because they are ready to get out there and try it and take some reps and work on themselves, uh, which is exactly the kind of clients I want to work with. I don't want to work with the clients. It's not going to be helpful. It's a waste of money and time and resources. If, if, uh, say a sponsoring executive says, Hey, I want you to work with this person. And this person is not up for, you know, getting out there and trying stuff out. It's like, Sorry. Yeah, um, that's what I, I was going to say. That, I don't think it's going to be, be beneficial. Right. I would say there's probably a difference in a sponsored person asking for coach, like this person, this person needs coaching rather than I need coaching. That's probably two yes. different approaches and two different types of clients. Cause like you said, it's, it's an investment. Like not only are they like, you know what? I want to put my foot forward. Let's, I, th- I believe this is going to help me. They're, you know, they're putting their time, money, and energy into this. So they, they better damn well believe in it because if they don't, they're wasting yeah. everyone's time for that matter. That's right. Oh yeah. So uh, funny story around this is, uh, uh, I had this client once I flew, I flew, I flew to go work with her and I show up and I didn't talk to her once before I went to work with her because she's, she was high enough up in the organization. She had people to help the people who helped her basically. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, so I showed up and I said, um, in spite of my best efforts to have a pre-call with her and I showed up and I, I said to her, I said, you know, so what is your vision of what we're going to work on today? And she didn't know. So I had a decision right then and there to make around judging and evaluate, not judging, but evaluating how motivated she was to get better. So I, I told her, well, here's my understanding of it. How ready are you to put in the work today? And she was ready. Um, but it's different than sometimes when I get a call from someone they're like, Hey, I have this executive. I'd like for you to work with them. Blah, 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 blah. And I say, well, what have you shared with him or her about this opportunity? Uh, oh, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Will you let me know when you want to get on a three-way call and have that conversation or better yet, you let me know after you've had the conversation with them. Right. Uh, about the readiness for yeah, this. Cause so I don't know, like what's the concept like that in, in, in running and racing? What's that look like? I don't know. I don't know if there's a real clear thing other than, than that exact example of wanting to, um, not knowing what your end and goal of things are. And you're kind of just going yeah. along with the flow or you're bringing someone along that maybe not prepared for it, especially when you're like talking physical endurance and stuff like that. Like I've met people like, I'm going to do this race. And I'm like, but you need to train. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be fine. And you're just like, nah, bro, <laughs> like you can control like your training. You know, there's certain things yeah. we've talked about. I can't remember what episode I, I talked about this, but I'm, I ran on most of them. Um, it was kind of the idea of you can't control things that are happening. Oh, it's my recently with all this, this COVID stuff. Mm. I mean, races are being canceled. Things are being pushed out and everything's happening. And the only thing I can control is my attitude and my response to it. It's like, I can have a piss poor attitude, but what's that going to get me? It's just going to get me 
ticked off at nothing. There's no, who am I supposed to shake my hand at? Like the virus, like, Oh girl, you virus that I can't run. You know, like, like if that's my first world problem that I'm like, Oh, I can't, can't run this race now because of this virus. You know, people are dying or sick in the hospital, but you know what? My race gotta, gotta deal with that. Um, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. You, you, you talk, you're hitting on something right now that, um, uh, Jim Dethmer in the conscious leadership group they're, they're based out of, I think Chicago or Michigan, but, um, done quite a bit of work with some of their frameworks and just an amazing book, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not a snack. It's a, it's a full size meal. Um, and they talk about when we operate from presence instead of operating below the line, which, uh, you know, is a, is a big distinction. Um, when we're below the line, we, we, we play up, uh, uh, three different roles. We play the victim, we play the villain, or we play the hero. But when we can make that shift, and by the way, we're predisposed to go below the line, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's human nature. So the idea is how are we able to wake up and be aware that we need to shift? And then how do we make the shift when we make the shift that we can switch from being a victim to being a creator, mm. And the mindset is, is that as a victim, life is happening to me mm-hmm. as a creator. Life is happening by me. And, That's good. and don't get me wrong. I am not here to minimize circumstances, yeah. poverty. Uh, um, I'm just not here to minimize that. And I get it. Like I, I'm very sensitive to speaking about that as like a white male who's very privileged, right. <laughs> you know? So, um, so some of us have a, have an easier climb than others. But the, but the premise of, of like being aware of how I might make my first move be toward being playing, you know, a victim, like, ah, I'm shaking. Who do I shake my fist at versus like, okay, what do we do about this? Right. Right now it's like, how do I respond as a leadership development person where it's like, I want to be in a room with people and I want to be in a room with teams. And that's what our team does. Um, uh, at my workplace, um, it's like, what do we need to do? It's like, I don't know, but we need to figure out how to adapt and adjust right now. Yep. And we need to think about it. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies are dealing with that right now as you have, and, and you're seeing, obviously, like you said, we, it's like a PSA of we're not, there are certain situations that are out of your control and, you know, there's those kinds of things. But when this circumstance comes up, there's two ways to react. It's why is this happening? Poor me. Somebody needs to help me. This, Or it's the attitude of, I don't know why it happened. I don't know what's going on, but let's figure it out like, and get to work yeah. and make it happen. Because again, you make the excuses and what's going to happen. You know, I was supposed to run uh, Boston. I was, I had a charity bib mm-hmm. for Boston this year and it's got pushed back luckily to September. Fingers crossed that still happens. Um, but yeah. instead of wasting my training, if you will, quote unquote, I ran my own marathon. I ran from Galena yeah. to Groveport. I ran 26.2 miles and got a PR yeah, on the, but it, but it doesn't really count because it wasn't a really race, but still it's like, I ran it on bar, uh, marathon Monday with Monday of Boston marathon. I was like, I'm doing this. Like, yeah, run I, your own race, right. man. Look at it, just like full circle. Boom, baby. Boom. That's what I do. I connect dots. <laughs> It'd be better if you just ended that. You just ended the meeting. Like, bye. And I'm just like, it's well, done. that was we're done. Now. Good episode. Let's just, we'll just start the music. No, <laughs> finish. Great being with you. We'll see you for part two. Hey, do, uh, by the, by the way, to that point, did you see the dude who ran the full marathon on his balcony in Italy? Did you see about that? Crazy. That's insane. I'm like, uh, why would you like, I think we said like seven meters or something like that or not even. I'm like, dude, That's there's, insane. there's, I'm not running 42,000 meters on a, a yeah. balcony anyways. Yeah. No, thanks. So, no thanks. so we'll kind of jump quick. I know we were, we're running a little short on time, so I want to make sure we hit some of these things too. But, um, yeah, we had this note here of being ready, um, to adjust. And that kind of goes into this having control and what can you do? And when, um, you know, like Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's, it's how That's do you right. adjust from that? You know? That's right. Well, if you're already assuming from this, this second piece around, be aware of what you can control versus what you can't versus what you can influence. Uh, coaching, uh, coaching is always about an action orientation. It's one small shift at a time. It's not this major thing. Uh, um, and so 
and, and that's going to come back with a, with a second part around uncovering your, your blind spots or even getting feedback. Um, so I'll come back to that in a, in a second. It's like one small shift at a time rather than trying to boil the whole ocean. Um, right. It's like a marathon is one mile at a time or I don't know, one it's break not station a, at a time. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So I think the other part is, is being able to adapt and being able to adjust and being ready. Uh, it's like, here are the words I'm trying to avoid right now in the, in the status of, or in the state of, of coronavirus It's unprecedented pivot shift. Uh, you know, everybody's got their buzzwords right now. Right. And I'm trying to avoid this idea of, of, of pivoting, um, of saying it, but we have to be ready to adjust always. And so a couple examples I'll just share from my own life. So, so one of my good friends, Paul, um, he's run the Boston, I don't know, three or four times. And it's much to like what you just said around, you know, you ran your own marathon. Gosh, I mean, you didn't get to have all the fanfare of, uh, did they give you any apparel yet? Probably not. Like, no. Right. It's like, so you didn't get to like do that. And it goes like, by the way, I lived in Boston for a time too. And, um, it's so cool just seeing the week leading up to Patriots day and to the marathon. Uh, but one of my close friends, his name's Paul, he lives in Breckenridge, Colorado. This dude, uh, we have like a guy's weekend every, every year. And, um, he's like, guys, like I got, I'm going to wake up in the morning and go for a quick run. <laughs> it's like 18 miles later when we're all still <laughs> asleep. Here's Paul. So, you know, first thing, like comparison trap, right? It's like, Paul is, he is like, he's a runner. Like he was born to run. He, and he's got to work at it still, but, um, he is probably five, seven, a hundred, man, he's going to kill me. If I get this wrong, 150, 160 pounds, <laughs> he's going to like call me and be like, dude, I'm six, two, 200. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, settle down. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, it's interesting. So he's run this, he's run the Boston multiple times. And I don't know, two or three years ago, it was, 50 degrees. It was a cold day. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting the text from him on our guy's text chain afterwards. And we were congratulating him. And he said, I just decided right at the start today was not going to be a PR it just wasn't. And I was like, Oh, I was really taken aback by that, that, you know, you're running the boss and this is your third time. And he wanted to crush his PR, but he looked around, he took in the conditions. He didn't feel it. And he's like, today is not going to be my day. I'm going to just enjoy the run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had like chills thinking about that because what's it take for somebody who is up at 5 a.m. running the mountains in Colorado to fly across the country and go, you know what, today it's not going to be my day. I'm just going to enjoy the run. Yeah. So, right, like I admire the ability to get to a place and look and go, you know what, I need to just, I just need to adjust here. I think it's important for all of us to remember. Yeah. And, and that adjustment doesn't mean it's a failure. And I think so many people fall into that of if I have to deviate from my original plan because of unforeseen circumstances or even circumstances that you like may have seen coming, that doesn't mean it's a failure from it. You're going to learn from said experience and be able to adjust accordingly. I know that exact feeling of getting to a race mm -hmm. and in the first few miles going, you know what? Mm-mm. We're just, we're not, why, why make it even worse? Like we're just going to enjoy right. the sights and sounds and we're going to call it what it is. Yeah. Cause that's where, I mean, that's where our inner critic starts to roar. It's where shame starts to come in. It's where just perfectionism can be our worst enemy. And so, like you said, it's just a terrible experience of self-condemnation, like on our shoulder while we're trying to perform. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, a uh, life is a game. I, I think of life like a, like golf. It's, it's round by round. It's hole by hole. It's not, it's not like at the end of my life, how I'd be measured upon one moment. It's, it's a series of moments. It's a series of steps. Yeah. So, you know, that adaptability is a really important piece because we have to be able to shift in the moment. I think we also have to be willing to let go of a goal that might not be attainable right now in this moment or to look and go, am I trying to reach too far or am I not reaching far enough? And I think that that's where, that's where coaching or accountability groups or running partners or buddies can, can help you. Um, I have, uh, so, so I, I've, I've probably enjoyed cycling more than running. 
in my life. I mean, look, like put my 240 pound butt on a bike, I'll climb any hill. Um, don't ask me to sprint it out, but it's better than like putting all that torque on, on my, on my legs. Although yeah. I still do enjoy running. I enjoy trail running more than, you know, road running, but, um, I have a torn meniscus and it was supposed to be corrected. Um, the day after they canceled elective surgeries here in Ohio. And, uh, but the way that I tore my meniscus or at least it exacerbated was to go on a run on vacation, flat road, didn't step wrong or anything. And I think it was just ready to go and pop. Then I could walk for three days. And so in my own fitness, I've had to really adjust. I'm not running. Like I'm going to pay for that. So I've had to actually, and I played a victim for a while where I'm like, "Eh, I'm done exercising. This stinks. I can't, exercise versus like, no, I can't exercise, but I have to just change how I'm going to train and how I'm going to actually try to try to um, gain some of the benefits of, of getting my heart rate up. Mm-hmm. So all right back to cycling. My knee has never hurt while I'm on the bike. Right. Just doesn't. Right. So again, just all around the almighty be willing to shift and change as needed. Yeah. You always have to kind of readjust. I mean, injuries are always one of those things where it's just like, uh, I was on a podcast um, a couple weeks ago. And that's what we kind of talked about is like injuries and stuff like that. He was a doctor. It's actually called doc on the run. Pretty decent podcast. Oh, um, nice. But he, you know, talked about that, like what he tells his clients and that sort of thing. And it's, you know, it's the same kind of thing where injury, you have to kind of figure out what works for you. Then you can play the victim and sometimes it's okay to, you know, just be like, you know, for a moment, just embrace it. Just, you know, yes. Blame, blame, the universe or whatever you want to do is just like, why me? This is ridiculous. Um, but then you just got to take ownership for it. No, what are you going to, what is this going to do? You know, I looked at the Boston cancellation at, or the postponement as a, initially I wasn't going to run my own run marathon, but I was like, ah, I need a day off. Why not? Um, and so I did, but I've used it as like a reset awesome. kind of thing on my training. It goes, you know what? The training plan was good. There's some things, you know, maybe I'll take, I took two weeks off of like just less running, just let the legs heal up a little bit and then slowly work back into a training plan. I'm looking at it as a, a plus, like a positive, like this is a good thing that, that happened um, mm. for, for that regard, but kind of just coming into, to the last point here. And you've, you've brought it up a ton of times talking about coaching and all that you do, but really finding other people around you to kind of influence you and help guide you in that, that, um, that direction. Cause sometimes you can have those blinders and not be aware of the things that you're missing. You know, maybe it's like, Hey, if you would run a little more efficiently, you could be faster just doing everything like no additional fitness. Like just don't do, don't swing your arms out like this. I do the T-Rex arm sometimes when I run uh-huh. and Kayla takes <laughs> pictures of it and I'm like, gosh, no honey, you got to get, you got to get it when the strides nice and tight. Uh, don't be getting the T-Rex arms. Yeah. It's like hit rewind. I want to show this. I, I you know, I want to see this. I want to look different. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that that's what coaches and partners and accountability groups provide for us is they help us to see the things that we can't see to call them out when they're there and to have the courage to do that with love and compassion. And by by the way, I think there's a component to what you said previously uh, is to remind us that grief is a part of our process in in life period. Uh, As a matter of fact, and I'll spare you all the neuroscience, but you know, right now we're all grieving the loss of something or some things. And the more that we repress and the more we stuff that down, the longer it takes to get on the other side of it. Um, and so if we're not willing to, and by the way, part of that, I think is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the eighties and my parents are very loving. Uh, but a lot of the comments I probably heard were, you know, my mom, we still joke about this is like, you stub your toe, like, just rub it, just rub it. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. It's like, instead of like, I don't know. I don't know what I needed as a kid, but, um, man, that really stinks. That must really hurt. I'm right here with you. So it's like, how do we help somebody or how do we ourselves even give ourselves permission to feel the negative feelings Mm -hmm. in order to get through the other side of it? Yeah. And so accountability partners, coaches, coaching is not the only way, trust me. I'm not that biased toward it. (laughs) Um, but we have to uncover our blind spots. And if I wanted running coaching, I'm not going to go get that from the internet. I I mean, that could be a start, but if I want to find a way to get from an eight or a nine to a nine or a 10, and I want to become elite, then I need someone who really 
is willing to help me see what I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. So they require some expertise and some credibility, but doesn't mean that they've got to be the best runner. It means they've got to be a great coach. Right. Um, so they have to help me see, uncover some of those blind spots. Um, it's funny you say that they don't have to be a great individual. They have to be a great coach in like the specific thing is I always made that comment. I played baseball my entire life and I was never, I was good, but I was never, I was never going to be great. I just, I just wasn't like mechanics, everything. I was just awkward. I've got like double jointed elbows. It it just, nothing works. But one thing (laughs) I could do is I could coach kids playing ball. I remember right when we moved to Ohio, I coached Dublin's, um, I guess it was like fifth graders level kind of thing at Dublin rec. And I was 20, 23, 24 coaching these kids and these parents, I mean, Dublin parents, no offense, any Dublin parents that are listening, but it's true. Thanks, Karen. Um, would just be like, you know, like, what do you know? Obviously you're not playing college ball. You're not, you didn't go anywhere. What do you know about this? And I'm like, I know more than you think I do because I'm a good coach at this. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the best individual at that thing. You know, these kids could probably throw farther, further and hit further than I could, but I could give them the mechanics and the tools they need to continue their, their trajectory. That's right. Well, yeah. And you say something here too, that, um, uh, experience does not equate with expertise always. You know, I, I've met, uh, I've met plenty of folks who can, can, who can coach well, who can do something well because they've got talent. I've met plenty of folks who can make up for a lack of talent or experience with uh, the ability to connect and relate to people well. And that's often what great coaches do, you know? Um, yeah. So, so I think that, I think that that's an important piece here is who are you going to surround yourself with to help you get to that place? Um, so the uncovering of blind spots, I mean, there's just things that we don't know that we don't know. Yep. And that can be, it can be a sting when someone reveals that to us, but, um, but it can, that can be life altering for us too, especially if it's a, a, a something that's really holding us back. Um, I was a, I, you know, I was a freshman in college when I stepped on a scale at the Schottenstein center, I worked a part-time job. I paid my way through my own college, both undergrad and grad school, just paid those loans off <laughs> two months ago, baby. Yeah. Sucker, you know, 15 years later and it felt freaking awesome. But uh, I was working the Schottenstein center as a state wrestling tournament. And I stepped on one of those digital scales that are more accurate than anything. Mm-hmm. And I was mortified because I, I'll never forget the number. It's blazed into my head. 258.6 was my weight. I graduated high school, probably 230 pounds. Um, like I said, I played football as an offensive yeah. lineman one foot in front of the other. The next day I was at Larkins, which is, you know, we didn't have the R pack when I was at, o- at Ohio state. It, it wasn't fancy. It was, a, it was a sweat box. It was disgusting, no <laughs> windows. Um, but I, I ran like first it was a half mile and then a mile and then 1.5. And I don't think I ever ran more than four miles, but I busted my butt and I stayed consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And I went from 250, 258 all the way down to 205 mm-hmm in a matter of like six or seven months because I put the work in diet and exercise. So when I'm a coach, I think about like, where am I seeing somebody not noticing where something's tripping them up, like being reactive or, um, uh, not delegating or not, not finding ways to invite others into the conversation. And so I look for habits and I look for patterns and, and I just bring a lot of curiosity to calling that out. And I think that that we can do that for each other, whether we're coaches or not. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's kind of the, the wrap up there is it's, it's, everyone can do that for someone. You don't have to be a, a coach because <clears throat> we can all coach and, and motivate people to find their true self and, and, you know, make themselves better in whatever, whatever it is they're trying to do. But I would say, don't try to do things alone. Even as an introvert, it's like, you yeah. need, you need people. I like my group runs. I like all of these things. And, you know, yes, I should be social distancing, but I don't care. I'm running with my folks every week. You know, it, it's just what it is. Cause we need that. And I think, like you said, talking about grief, <clears throat> in this situation, that's a lot of it. People don't realize like, why do I feel like this? It's like, cause you're not being with people and you, you don't yeah. realize how much just even simple conversations like face to face, not through a camera 
how much you miss that of actually sitting yeah. with someone and doing that, you know, with the Slapcast, Shannon and I, she was like, Hey, I don't know if you feel comfortable. Do you want to just like do it remote? I'm like, no, I'm going to your house and we're going to do this because I need some other yeah. communication. Put some beer in the fridge, right. have one ready. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, she needs to have more bourbon ready for me. Jason's been, <laughs> Otero's been lacking the last few times I've been there, but. Oh, come on, Jay. Come on, Jay. It's all right. I'll give him yeah. Well, you me. know, and, and I think, yeah, it's like, so this, this like, you know, run your own race, but, but find people to surround yourself with. And it's, and it's, it's about how can we each expand our range today? I mean, really, it's like, you've got to take it in small chunks and take it in stride. Like I can't, I can't be where I want to be a year from now. If I'm not willing to try to figure out where I need to be a week from now or two days from now. And, and at the same time, there's extending grace to ourselves when we don't reach it. Mm -hmm. I think about, again, it's like, uh, what's the range or what's my collective score knowing that it's not going to be 100. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important piece. And, um, it could be a really, really good mindset for any of us to be in and to, to lower expectations right now, because there is a drag and a, a, a drag to the emotions we're all experiencing that we might not be aware of. So even just being willing to adjust our, our, our finish line, I, I, I kind of say if I'm 25%, this is going to sound awful, but if I'm 25% less productive than I typically am, I can give myself more margin for the, th- for the ways that life is different and not okay right now for me. Yeah. I think that's good because with, um, with distractions and that sort of thing that we have now, that can be such a, a, a big hindrance right now with our productivity is we have a lot of things thrown at us because we're doing everything on our computer. And it's like, well, then how much time am I spending on the computer? I probably should get away and go for a walk, but you're like, but can I go for a walk? That's not being productive. So yeah, there's a lot of individual right. pieces there, but, uh, don't want to keep you any longer. I appreciate all of your, your, um, Thanks, man. time here, uh, this morning. Um, but how can people connect with you if they want to connect you on the socials? Yeah. So I'm uh, so Jason Daly, I'm on LinkedIn, but I also anchored leadership as my organization, my company, uh, my small coaching business. So anchor ed leadership.com. And we'll have that I've in got, the show notes. So you guys will be able to see that link too. Cool. So I've got uh, uh, a less than active uh, as I'd like for it to be, but again, grace uh, Instagram and Facebook for both of those, but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. And I also have a project with a couple of my colleagues and friends going right now, our own podcast called wide awake at work. That's wide awake at work.com where we talk about all things leadership. And we've been focusing a little bit of our conversations on wake up calls that leaders have been experiencing as well as a little bit of work in the Enneagram, which I know you've heard a little bit about yeah. with uh, my visit on the slap cast. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Got a lot of irons in the fire and they're all fun. Yeah. It's, it's, you always need, you always need extra projects and more things to do. It never, yeah, why, I'm wired. why be boring? That's no fun. Yeah. Um, Life's an adventure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for joining me again today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Willing to do this anytime, even if we're not recording. And I mean that sounds good. We'll definitely, we'll have to zap to or something. Um, but everyone, right, you man. guys can, uh, reach out to me everywhere on social medias at flores.run. Again, we have the dot, but Instagram and Facebook hates me. So hopefully you can find it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast where everywhere you can find podcasts, leave a review. You know what? A nice little, uh, a token of appreciation to, to see your words and see what you feel about the podcast. It helps people find this, the way the algorithms and science and stuff works, but you can visit the website, www.flores.run. My editor finally got me back my uh, last doc or last blog. So that'll be on there. Thanks Paige. I appreciate it. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today to remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.